0: For Christians to do. It happens uh, very often, pretty much every Sunday, um, and hopefully more than that throughout the week as we meet together or, or on our own. Um, but it's also pretty normal for Christians to do this and to not have it truly express our reality. We, we get together, we sing these songs, we, 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 we go through the motions, but our reality is that there isn't this great dedication to God. The reality is that even though we say God is great, we tend to not live like he really is. And so we have a distance from God and we realize that it's a man-made difference. It's not something God has imposed on us. In fact, it's something that God, over and over again, tries to overcome, and that's really what the record of the Bible is, God trying to overcome the distance between him and us. We have this distance because we have idols. We're going to look at a very familiar passage um, this morning to begin, and we're going to see a problem. And the problem will be that we know these verses so well uh, that sometimes we only focus on the what and not the why. So today we're going to ask, but why not? Why in this particular uh, negative is it positive? And, and, and why does God say not to do this thing or these things? Well, let's read Exodus chapter 20 verses 3 and 4. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. If that sounds familiar to you, it's because it's from the Ten Commandments. And you see, the problem is, even though we know having idols is wrong, we still have them. We've forgotten the why. So we're asking, but why not? These verses clearly say to have no gods and no idols. We can't really uh, argue with that. It's very plain in the text. But to understand the why not, we need to dive into the context of the Ten Commandments, dive into the context of these two verses. See, these people that God was talking to here through Moses, through these tablets, through this law, they knew that God is faithful. They knew it. They had, they had ancestors that told them about it. And then they had firsthand experience going through the wilderness of seeing God provide again and again and again. And yet, it seems that they struggled to believe that God could ever come through again. It's like they said, sure, he did it for that problem, but, but I don't know if he can handle this one. And so they started to develop their own idols, their own gods. Idolatry kept creeping into their camp. There was a continual urge to find some other source for their well-being, some other source for their happiness, some other source for their pleasure, for their comfort, and for their care. And so they would literally craft idols from stone, from wood, to represent these imagined gods. Literally, they would make many representations of these gods, even Yahweh, because they didn't understand one crucial part of idol worship, and that is this. A God you can fashion is a God you can control, and a God you control is a God you cannot yield to. You cannot yield to a God you control. They didn't understand that, and you know, we do the same thing. We do the same thing every time we place something we control in the role of God. We don't craft our gods out of stone or, or wood and make these little little things, but the mindset. That's where we craft our gods. We craft our gods in, in our mind, in our heart, in our schedule. We allow ourselves to be ruled by, by things like vacations and sports and hobbies and jobs and money, traditions, our push for success, our longings, our memories, even our worries and our fears. Because idols aren't only the things we think of that give us pleasure that occupy our time. Idols are anything that we put before God. Anything that that takes the place of where God should be in our life. And as long as one of these other gods is ruling us, there is no yielding to the true God. Because we can't yield to a God we control. See, we put the pressure on ourselves too often. We get caught up in the drama of a situation and feel like we have to be the difference maker. We have to be the problem solver. We have to be in control. But if we're in control, we cannot yield. Uh, To understand this in a more practical way, think of driving a car. You come up the ramp to merge onto the highway, uh, and you must yield to oncoming traffic. You don't yield to yourself. You yield to the semi-truck barreling down the highway. if you don't, if you don't yield to something other than yourself in that situation, you'll get wrecked. And in the same way, people get personally wrecked all the time because they feel they have to be in control and they fail to understand that they can't yield to that which they control. Practically, in our Christian walk, it looks like this. It says, God, I trust you but let me take care of this. God, I trust you, but let me handle this. God, I trust you, but you're gonna have to yield to me in this particular situation. In other words, rather than yielding to the true God, our idols, these things that take his place, these things we fashioned in our minds and in our hearts. We put in the place of prominence, the place that God deserves to be. And so if the problem is that we have these idols, the solution is simply to give them up to God. We yield ourselves 100%. But that is much easier to say than to do. So there's a wonderful short little section of scripture Uh, That illustrates this so well, and I'm really excited to share it. When I came across it in my studies, I thought, wow, that that really gets to it. So, our solution is to remember the why of having no idols by yielding to God. And we see that in Isaiah 46. In Isaiah 46, verses 1 through 4, we read the following Bell has bowed down, Bell is an idol. Nebo stoops over. Nebo is an idol or a god. Their images are consigned to the beasts and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome, a load for the weary beast. They stooped over. They have bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I will be the same. And even to your graying years, I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you, and I will bear you, and I will deliver you. Quick summary of what we just read. This is in relation to a New Year's tradition that the Israelites had. They would parade their idols Around. They would they would bring them out, parade them around, say, Oh, yes, the idols, yes, this is the God who's gonna give me this in the new year. This is a God who will give me that in the new year. We're gonna parade them around. But not only did they do that, the idols were so big they couldn't handle it. It made them weary, it really weighed them down, and so they put them on the backs of animals so that they could carry their idols around and, and they would have to bear the weight. Of this. And God effectively says, you're weighed down and weary because you think you need to carry this load for what you want. You think you need to carry the load. You think you have to do all this work. You think you have to try so hard. When in reality, I will not only carry the load, I will carry you. I will not only carry the load, I will not only take care of what you want these idols to do, I will carry you too. It's what I've done since the day you were born, it's what I will do into your old age. I will carry you. God doesn't want to just carry our loads, He wants to carry us. And let's think about how personal that is. Because of the way this church is built, Um, There are steps everywhere, and that makes it hard for some people to get to various areas of the building. On more than one occasion, I've had to help carry somebody, uh, especially down to Fellowship Hall for something. And there's something very personal about that because we see two roles in that relationship. It requires of the carrier, the person doing the carrying, strength, steadiness, dependability, sure-footedness and great care. But of the one being carried, all it requires is trust. All it requires is a yieldedness, a willingness to say, take me, a willingness to say, carry me. See, all this stuff we think we have to carry the this, this stuff in order to make sure we get that paycheck, in order to make sure we get enough to, to provide for our families, to make sure we get enough to have our vacations and all the extra stuff. Or on the flip side, all the stuff we carry because we're so consumed by worry, so consumed by fear, so consumed by despair that we feel we have to be the one to make the difference. The same God that told the Israelites he would carry their burden and carry them is the same God that carries us. He wants to carry us, and that's exactly what he did with Jesus Christ. We've looked at two Old Testament passages, but then Christ came into the picture, and we need to see him as more than just a ticket to heaven. If you've ever talked to somebody who's got a deep, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, they'll say, my relationship with Jesus Christ got me through the situation. And if you don't have a deep relationship, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, well, how can you have a relationship with somebody you can't see, you can't sit down with and talk to? But if you do have that sort of a relationship, then you understand this. You understand that, that he provides, he provides comfort Through his word. You know the Bible says that Jesus Christ, it identifies him as the word. Word became flesh. And so Jesus is showing us all of this in real time. We get to know Christ. He carried us to new life in him on the cross. But it doesn't stop there. He is so much more than just a ticket to heaven. And so if the problem is we have idols, the solution is to yield those idols to him. We use a a section like Isaiah 46 to remind us that we really can do that. We really can do that. God wants to bear our load. God wants to carry us. God wants to deliver us. But he can't do that unless we yield to him. And that means taking away the idols. We've seen the problem, we've seen the solution very quickly now. Let's look at the application. And for this, we turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. I'm going to read it now, but what I want you to do is I want you to read this section of Scripture over and over again until you believe it. Do it tonight, do it in the morning, do it tomorrow night, keep doing it until you believe it because it will give you a mindset as a Christian personally and corporately. It'll help you focus on what you need to focus on and it will tell you who Christ is and who he can be for you. Colossians 3 verses one through 17. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Sense that delivery there? He will deliver us in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience... And in them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. It talked about idolatry. It said that a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. They get distracted from God because they put something else in his place. Something else is their desire. It also talked about peace, a peace that comes from Christ Christ, who we seem to so easily trust to take our sins and carry our shame, we must also trust to take these idols, to give it up to him, to trust him. There's no reason he can't also carry our burdens. If he can carry us to the cross and beyond, he can certainly do so much more than that for us if we need one phrase to latch on to, one phrase to take away from this morning, it's also found in this passage. In this translation, it says, Christ is all and in all. Christ is everything. And if Christ is everything, the idols are nothing compared to him. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way, Christ is all that matters. Christ is all that matters. And then finally, verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. See, when you yield all your stuff, all your idols, all your hopes, all your dreams, all your disappointments, all you do becomes about him. And let's be honest, it's not because sports are bad or, or money is bad or, or even politics are bad, if that might be a little debatable, or, or anything like that, but it's because Christ is meant to be first and when we put anything else first, Christ is not where he needs to be and he's not who he needs to be in our lives. That's the whole deal with idolatry. It's not say identify your idols and completely turn from them, never touch them again. It's saying remove them from the primary spot, put Christ there, and then your enjoyment of all these other things will make so much more sense in view of how God designed you and in view of what Christ has done for us. Instead of being a sports fanatic who also goes to church, you'll be a Christian who enjoys sports, that's a pretty significant change. Instead of being somebody who absolutely adores my family and I go to church, you'll be a Christian who loves your family. That makes a big difference. Instead of being somebody who thrives on vacation and going places and globe trotting, and all of that, You'll be a Christian who gets to go experience God's creation. Instead of being somebody who's worn down with the pain of life, with the regrets of choices you've made, with with longings and and, and wishes that things would have gone differently, and you come to church just because you hope it'll help for another week. You'll be a Christian. Who knows God can get you through those situations. When God said to not have idols, the why not is because he has something better for us. It's because he has something better for us, not because he wants us to cast everything aside. He just wants us to make him prominent, him to be number one. He'll be glorified and we'll glory in his glory. And we'll see him come through in marvelous ways. I told the kids that God made them with purpose and intent. He made you with purpose and intent too. It said that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If we find our enjoyment in Christ, first and foremost, we found the answer to life. An answer so many people are searching for. Because we know that Christ is all and in all. We know that Christ is all that matters. And when that happens, the last verse just clicks. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Read that this week. Read it a lot. Read it until you believe it. What you question, look up. Contact me. Ask me about it. If you're in our Bible reading class, take it through the observation process that we've been talking about. God loves you. He wants the best for you, and he knows the best is not idols. The best is not anything separating you from him. That's what he wants from us today and tomorrow and for the rest of our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you give us rules to follow in the Old Testament that uh, are powerful and meaningful and, and still teach us things today. You told the Israelites not to have gods or idols, and as we look at it, we understand that's because it separates them from you. But then later, these same people who, even though they had idols, even though they messed this up. You told them you would take their burdens, you would carry them, you would bear it for them. And you've done that for us in Jesus Christ. Help us to yield to you in all we do. Let us say that we will yield to you. We'll be proud to be called Christian, proud to live that out, and excited to see the difference it makes as we yield to you.